packs of fun for everyone. M&M's Plain Chocolate Candies. M&M's Peanut Chocolate Candies. M&M's Chocolate Candies, the milk chocolate melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Mars Inc. 1985. Copyright. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I'm Jeff. And I am Rick. And I am TJ. Welcome, TJ, to our podcast. It's good to finally be here. I'm sure your audience remembers my curiously attractive timbre of my voice from my radio show I hosted back in 2003 in Honduras on a small military post on Wednesdays from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And I'll be signing autographs after the podcast. I just want to say that TJ has been a friend of mine literally all my life. I've known this guy, like, since the day I've been born. His parents are my godparents. He has kind of been, he's been with me through all of my uh, major points of life where I have learned something and I've been introduced to pop culture. So things like, you know, camping and comic books and geocaching and college and weddings. In fact, I think uh, both of ours, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're the best man at my wedding. I was there at your wedding. Which is impressive considering that I eloped. That's true. (laughs) I eloped and you still managed to be there. (laughs) And you didn't even live in the same town as me, so that was, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that was incredible. But we went to the same uh, same college for a while. Yes, and that was that was your fault. Yep. Back at us, University of Wyoming. Curious choice for uh, for Rick there. Um, <laughs> Go Cowboys. And then, gosh, yeah. We've been uh, fans of comic books since we were, I don't know, little kids, like middle school. Yeah. And then uh, geocaching and everything, yeah. He has been an early and eager supporter of our show. And he has continuously provided us with an honest and blunt opinions which we have ignored continuously. So <laughs> as a way to apologize, uh, we have brought him on the show so he can show us how we should do this right. Okay. Well, I hope that uh, <laughs> your audience expectations are sufficiently low at this point. They probably are. but you know, <laughs> With our show, there is no lowering the bar. <laughs> We're already there. <laughs> but I, I think we have missed a very important aspect of what makes our show our show. And that part of the show that you might be talking about is I say random, you say banter, random. Banter? Random! That's your cue, TJ. Oh, banter? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. It's random banter time, buddies. So tell me about your lives. Tell me what's going on. Give me a story. I will give you a story. Mm -hmm. That's a fantastic segue. I wanted to just do a kind of a shout out because we are recording this at the beginning of February. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to take a moment during Random Banter to talk about Black History Month. And I kind of thought about this as I stumbled across an article the other day about a comic book from 1953 called Weird Fantasy. It's Weird Fantasy 18 from EC Comics, and there's a short story in there called Judgment Day. This is a fascinating tale about a planet populated by sentient, self-replicating robots originally built by Earthlings being visited by a representative from Earth. The Earthling is evaluating the society to see if it can join the Earth Federation. The human quickly determines that the orange robots have segregated the blue robots, even though the only difference is the shell coloring. 
After denying them entry into this future Earth's Federation, he advises the orange robots to ask questions and really examine the reasons, education, and their past that's led their society here. The last panel of this comic shows the human taking off the opaque helmet that has been kind of blocking his view, and it reveals that it's a black man. This is a book from 1953, and mm -hmm. it's just... it's brought up a lot in comic book circles as this really progressive comic back in the day. It was a really nice tale that was hit in the back of this sci-fi fantasy type comic, uh, weird fantasy from EC Comics, but it's it's this beautiful little story and I think there's, I thought it was just nice to kind of bring some more recognition to it as best we can on our show. So. Okay, yeah, I've never heard of it. No, neither have I. Yeah. That is absolutely new to me. Yeah, yeah I, You can look it up online and you can find uh, panels for it that have been scanned i highly recommend you check it out it's weird fantasy number 18 judgment day and it's by joe orlando so okay. how about you tj got any random banter for us i do i tell you what um i'm 43 years old almost 44 years old and i've got a 17 year old son who on thursday is going to get his driver's license <laughs> that's um, a big day I've that's a big, big day. Yeah, I've been driving him around, or excuse me, I've been driving him around since he was born, but he's been driving me around for the past couple of weeks, sometimes terrifying, sometimes thrilling. <laughs> uh, but uh, the truth is, he's going to do great. But I tell you what, that's going to be one of my children out there driving all by myself. I can't protect him. I can't tell him what to do. And yeah, it just terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> I, I, I hope so. I'm probably going to need a hug, but but yeah. In a house with three sons, hugs. Yeah. Hugs, I'm sure, is pretty uh, is a rare commodity sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll take a hug from just about anybody at this point. <laughs> I, mean, I just need one. <laughs> hey, man, if you want to borrow that car. <laughs> there's, there's a rental price, and it's paid in hugs. <laughs> Dad! Just... Just, my son, just just tell me everything's going to be okay. <laughs> Make me believe it. <laughs> tell me I haven't made a mistake for 44 years of my life. <laughs> tell me I'm a good parent. <laughs> oh, jeez. That, so that's that's Thursday, everybody. So there's the, the public safety announcement right there. How about you, Jeff? Well, let's see. My random banter is that uh, for the past two weeks, it's been snot patrol in the house because everybody in the house has been sick and having the uh, one-and-a-half-year-old daughter who doesn't know how to do anything with her nose other than just rub it on everything it's been just slime and oh. snot everywhere but uh so that's what i've been up to i haven't really been doing much of anything else but could i share a uh, quote unquote proud parenting moment with you guys oh please go for it yeah. okay this is just going to show how great a parent i am so we're hanging out me me her and uh hillary we're and aurora and we're sitting on the bottom step in the, on the uh, stairs upstairs and i'm feeding aurora banana and you know so she, she's eating stuff and it's like okay great but she takes a step back and so she's falling so what do you do when your kid's falling you, you try to grab them. them that's right you try and catch them yeah. yeah like a good parent would so what happens when you fail at that <laughs> um you watch them bounce no you punch them in the face <laughs> what the hell? And and then, uh, yeah, you try to catch them. You punch them in the face. They still fall backwards and, and go bouncy bounce on the floor anyway. And you say, huh, that didn't work out right at all. Also, we have a, a pediatrician exam tomorrow, and I'm going to have to explain this black eye. So, so uh, they've learned an important life lesson that when you're falling and life's got you down, your parents are going to punch yeah, you in the face. Yeah, yeah basically. Don't what? expect help from anybody because you're going to get a black eye. What do we do when we fall down and are punched by our parents, Master Wayne? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We cry. Yeah, we, we look at them like, why? Yeah, we, yeah, pretty you know, much. We, we ask what that was for, Dad. 
<laughs> yeah, complete all, all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, your daughter starts talking in complete senses. Yeah, I did some sort of weird uh, phenomenon brain trauma to her. <laughs> but yeah, so it was it, going into the uh, pediatrician the next day, and I'm just like, like, oh, do you have any questions about anything? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> um, so I punched my daughter in the face yesterday. Is she okay? <laughs> and do you have the number to Child Protective Services? Yeah, but he, he, Hillary was right there and everything. So it's like, this is just a 100% accident. But the pediatrician is even like, you, you know punched her in the... Yeah, that's fine. She kind of looks and she's like, I expect kids to come in at this age covered in bruises just because they're clumsy. And I'm like, yeah, it's the kid's fault. <laughs> you, you know what's even better, though, is the fact that what happened to your child? Well, they fell down the stairs, stairs. but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I punched them in the and face. I punched them. <laughs> okay, sir, sir. Yeah. It's one or the other, okay? <laughs> that was the impressive part. Halfway down, here's my moment. No, it was just, I'm just, I'm just like, what happened? What did I do? <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, me, me, and, me and Aurora both had the same look on our face for about the same amount of time, which was like, why? <laughs> so that's my random banner. That's what I've been up to. Well, on that bombshell cheerful, cheerful nose. I think you win Jeff <laughs> Jeff can you please give us the two cents replay of falling down the stairs you mean last episode yes Not that too problem. fallout from the beyonders unfortunate visit to everyone in the Marvel Universe continues as demons from limbo want to kidnap all of Manhattan and its inhabitants including power pack by powering a ritual with the most adorable power source available that's right Katie power unsurprisingly gets to play the role of sacrificial kidnap victim in a, in a plot that will take the combined efforts of some of power pack and some of the new mutants to thwart now that the, oh yeah, Mirage fights death for Maggie Power's soul subplot, two sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. So I'll go ahead and give you our beer first and then TJ can introduce his. For ours, I decided to really lean into this issue of X-Men 205 with it being very dark. Yes, yes. And yet at the same time, we've got Katie Power. Yeah. So It's a weird juxtaposition. It is. But I think I got it. I've got burial beers... Separation of light and darkness. Ooh, that's clever. That sounds nice. That is very, very clever. That's a neat looking bottle, too. Yes, uh, I'll let you go ahead and read there. Ooh, hey, it's got story time. Yeah, the cover has kind of robed crow figure with a scythe in front of a moon and a clouds and a sun in the sky. It looks really cool. But then story timed is... Mixed culture, Saison Ale with Carolina Peaches. The inception of our wildest dreams and most simple desires. This season, our, our beloved mixed culture ale is made with North Carolina barley and wheat from Riverbend Malton, aged in our Brunello, Frudre, I don't know what those are. This season, we have aged the beer atop two pounds per gallon of fresh Carolina peaches. Bottle conditioned. Yeah, that's a cool looking bottle. That's uh, inter uh, I'm curious to see what it's going to be. It seems it has interesting words. Well, it's 5% ABV and 20 IBU. So as I get this thing open, DJ, tell us what you brought. All right, well, I uh, decided to take a look at our issue here and then said, you know what? We got Wolverine almost dead, and then he makes a whole bunch of other guys dead. So I picked Dead Guy Ale from Rogue Ales in Newport, Oregon. It's got a 6.8% by volume, and its story time is Dead Guy Ale is a Malbach-style ale with robust malt profile and a sweetness that is balanced by the liberal use of bittering hops. Gratefully dedicated to the rogue in each of us. Huzzah, rogue ale. That's a nice brown-looking ale. That's good. I Usually I'm a, I'm a stout guy here, but this is, looks like it's going to be sufficiently dark enough. I mean, you can't read a newspaper through it, so that's one of my uh, tests there. <laughs> but... Uh, Let's see here. Well, Dead Guy Ale is very good. Now, you know what? That's pretty yeah. good. I've had that that's many. Good. That's a good I've beer. I've had that many times. Whereas we have got a very, we've got a very clear 
This is almost like lemon 80 color. Yeah, it's a really fizzy lemonade. Kind of Saison style. Well, it's got sediment that's floating around and mm -hmm. bouncing and dancing in that too. That's, that is a fizzy beer. That is kind of crazy. It's like a, a heavy kind of coloration lemon juice. It has a, has a nose on it that's really is pretty fruity. Saison type of a uh, yeah, ale. Yeah, it's, it smells like a Saison. And cheers. Cheers to us and cheers to TJ. Thank you. That's a little tart. That's very tart. Whoa. It's very tart, but at the same time, it's kind of nice. It's nice. It starts kind of like, oh, that's a nice, it's pleasant taste, and then it just goes tartar and tartar. It's very tart, yes. Yeah, that is. That's uh, that's basically a sour. Yeah. Um, it, uh, it's, it's similar. It's similar it's to a sour. Similar. It is less, very little hops. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't even think hops have touched this. This is... It's still got the bitterness quoting, but it's... um. No, it's a uh, it's wow. It, it's got the very uh, heavy citrus, but I would say it's more along the 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 barley and the wheat. That's really where I'm getting the okay the real kick. No, I like this one. This is nice. This is gonna be um, this is gonna be a little bit lighter than uh, the story we are about to read. <laughs> <laughs> but tart and bitter as well. <laughs> How about yours? How's yours taste, there, TJ? Oh, my, mine's one for. I'm gonna be putting away two or three of these, by the way. So you gotta you're gonna have to do a whole lot of editing toward oh, the nice. end of this show. That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. Okay. Have, I have to deal with Jeff, so not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 He has to work around Between me a lot. Between my slow words and, just... and his phlegm, then <laughs> and, we'll have yeah, nearly 10 minutes of episode. also just uh, me going on tangents. Or <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, as an aside, blah, blah, blah. Just start talking about other stuff. <laughs> While we still have our wits about us, Jeff, why don't you give us the opening credits? Uncanny X-Men, issued number 205, May 1986, Wounded Wolf. Credits, writer, Chris Claremont. Artist slash colorist, Barry Windsor Smith. Letterer, Tom Orzachowski. Edited by Carl Potts. Editor-in-chief, Jim Shooter. Featuring Logan, a.k.a. Wolverine. He is the best at what he does, and what he does is scare little children and mentor young women. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer. Member of Power Pack. Five years old superhero who can disintegrate matter, turning it into energy, which he can expel into Powerballs. Voiced by my daughter. Guest starring... Now, normally we save this for characters already introduced, but this is a small cast book, so we'll get the other four characters out of the way. First, we have Wade Cole, Angelo Macon, and Murray Reese. They were the three mercenaries who worked for the Hellfire Club, one of the X-Men's biggest adversaries. During one fight back in X-Men 133, these three guys were set to take out Wolverine. It did not work. They got hacked up pretty bad and were left for dead. This is pretty cool, though, because this is a classic Claremontism, by the way. The way he remembers or finds tiny plot threads from the past and weaves them into current stories. I mean, by rights, Cole, Macon, and Reese should have been lost on the editing room floor of Marvel history. Maybe stuck to the bottom of, like, Claremont's loafer like so much toilet paper after coming out of a New York City subway bathroom. But... Here we have them resurrected, and oddly, not for anywhere near the last time. They play a huge role in X-Men Future, and even in the big screen in the movie Logan. That is very correct. We also have Yuriko Oyomo. Her father was the inventor of the process that bonded adamantium to bones. The same process that was used on Wolverine. After her father's death, she went after Wolverine to avenge her father for the theft of his ideas, and, to a certain slightly confusing extent, the theft of her destiny as the adamantium host. After losing to Wolverine once, she went searching for more power. And 
she found it. Boy, howdy, did she ever. We start this issue with some amazing art. We see Yuriko's body, naked and covered with wires and circuitry and mechanics, emerging from a biomed transformation pod. That's what makes this art so special, and especially the artist as well. Sure, she's naked, but she's obviously much more machine than woman, and I think that most readers don't really see her as being unclothed, but instead as being, I mean, like unboxed is really what I'm thinking. Watching from above is the three mercenaries and another figure named Spiral. At this time in the Marvel Universe, not much is known about her. What we will say here is that she is mystical and mysterious. She is deadly and has six arms. And she runs the body shop. Which, much to my surprise, is not a shop in the mall that sells soaps and shampoos, but is a place that sells alien cybernetic parts to amputees and others who seek the power of cybernetic limbs. You know, like a hobby. Macon, Cole, and Reese appear to be earlier and rougher products of the body shop as well. You know, some people knit, some people dance, some people turn people's souls and humanity into deadly killing machine. It's a living! The narration is from Yuriko's point of view as she's feeling all the pain and all the hurt as her mind and body are turned into a cybernetic nightmare. A nightmare that culminates in her fingers becoming long, scything claws. She's nothing like the three cybernetic mercs. She's a deadly revenge machine. But there is still doubt. The newly christened Lady Deathstrike is happy that she can fight and destroy Wolverine, but she wants to be sure that she can be reversed later, that she and her associates can get their humanity back. Sure, sure. Spiral assures her that the body shop guarantees satisfaction or your money back. <laughs> yeah, I'm not buying it either, but the four new cyborgs buy it, lock, stock, and cybernetic barrel, much to the amusement of Spiral. How amusing. To desire that which was never really yours, this so-called humanity, to dream of regaining through the murder of another, and lastly to dance with the devil, believing you will spin away with your soul intact and untainted. The upshot here is that Spiral has collected the humanity, spirit, and soul of these four, in exchange for becoming more machine than human in their quest for revenge. It's like the saying goes, Wolverine is the best there is at what he does, and what he does is bring out the best in people. And Lady Deathstrike is on a mission. She believes that Wolverine knows the secret of how he got his adamantium bones, and she's determined to break his spirit so that he will tell her. She obviously has never read any of his comic books before. I mean, at this point, I'm amazed that he even knows the secret of how to tie his shoes. Meanwhile on South Street Seaport, home of the fighting carolers. Really, Jeff, we do have a guest. Home of the savory songbirds. The prancing performers. The evocative entertainers. The galloping glee club. And I really misjudged our guest. It is Christmas time and it is snowing. And Katie Power is out of school, question mark, to do some caroling? Yeah, it's not really clear where her family is or who she's with, except the Peanuts-esque adult Miss Randolph. We never see this adult's face, but at least she doesn't talk with the wah wah wah. We start with Katie and this strange guardian in the lavatory washing their hands. Katie does have some internal commentary about hating being so short that she can't air dry her hands. Instead, she disintegrates the water off them. And she giggles because it tingles, which is super cute. Katie bundles up and heads back out with Miss Randolph into some nasty snowy weather, trying to join up with the other carolers. Katie hears someone yelling right before they get plowed over by Cole, who is firing and yelling out a report to Reese. Boom! Macon's down, but I got a clear shot. Man, who'd have figured this crazy muty could even move after what Deathstrike did to him? And he runs off into the storm. Katie gets up and starts looking around for Miss Randolph, but instead, finally, after six pages, finds the title splash page! And a nearly naked and bleeding Wolverine. Wait, I have confirmation here that Katie is with her school. She's wearing a tunic thingy with some laurel leaves and a PS87 on the back. Um, Jeff, why are you staring at Katie's back? 
Because I don't want to stare at a nearly naked and bleeding Wolverine. He scares me. Yeah, yeah. We're often scared of those things we love most. I think Abraham Lincoln said that. No, no, no. He said, don't trust anything you read on the internet. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Anyway, three things happen at once. One of the mercs calls out to Logan. Katie starts to ask if it is really Mr. Logan. And Logan pops his claws right in front of Katie. Sneak. The claws, they're part of you. Mr. Logan, are you going to hurt me? Then the police show up to arrest the bad guys, protect the innocent, and everything's fine. That would be nice, but not quite. While Katie may have the right thought, i.e., when in trouble, go to the police, El Senor Claw Dude, being a hunted superhero, does not trust the boys in blue. More than that, Wolverine is not in the right mind place for that right now. In fact, as the coppers approach, Logan picks up Katie and runs off into the night. Not saying anything except a low, rumbling animal noise. You gotta understand, at this point, this is not your friendly neighborhood Wolverine. Well, I mean it is, but he's a little worse for wear and is reverted to an animal. Not unlike Rick when you've been hiking for miles chasing the last geocache of the day and you suggest to him, you know, politely, that it might be okay if he goes one day without a find. <laughs> hey, say Rick, do you remember that time when we were camping and you got us lost in Jedediah Smith State Park and your parents were so No, pissed? no, no, nobody remembers that. We can't talk about that, and we're just going to ignore it. We might ignore that, but Katie is not ignoring the fact that she has been kidnapped by her supposed friend. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! And as they run deeper into the night, Katie calms herself and remembers that she is a superhero and can stop this nonsense. She starts by launching off a powerball and blows it up right in front of them. Zapow! Which causes them both to go tumbling into the snow. Katie is now cold, but she solves this with a... Costumes on! Then she starts to talk to the exposed, balled-up, injured mutant. What's wrong? Don't you know me? Mr. Logan, are you sick? No answer, but Katie keeps talking and starts to answer her own questions. Seeing that he's covered in blood and figured out that he's been hunted by the guys with the guns and that she needs to protect him. How cool is that, guys? The youngest member of Power Pack, a five-year-old, takes on the role of protector for Wolverine of all people when the situation calls for it. She also wonders how anybody can be hurt so bad they forget how to talk and just make growly noises. Like an animal. For some people, Katie, it's a really short trip. She coaxes Logan to stand and to follow her away. She can't find a phone or a place to sneak into, but she does find a cab. Thinking to herself about how angry she is at missing the caroling. Hey, she worked really hard at memorizing all of the verses of Batman Smells. <laughs> she jumps out and yells for the cab to stop. In the name of love, oh, before for the, you no, break. No, Rick, for the love of God, go to your room and think about what you've done. Katie heaves the hairy hero into the hack and gives a quick explanation that her uncle was beat up. Did a pretty fair job of it too, looking at him, poor devil. He is not a devil, even if he's as scary as one. And as they start driving away, Wolverine senses something and pops his claws. Snicked. And then pops the door. Tash. Rich. Tosses Katie out. Aye, aye, aye. And tosses out the cabbie just before Reese fires. Fudum. And hits the now empty cab. Lam. To some explosive results. Kavoom. Wolverine! And if Katie was a little scared before, now she is terrified. Wolverine is still acting like an animal, not speaking, and she cannot help but start crying as he once again picks her up and takes them out of the frying cab and into the fire as he launches her and himself over a fence, down a ravine, and into a construction site. Home of the digging dozers. The conquering cranes. Hammering jackhammers. The recoiling riveters. The liberating laborers. Wait, this is not even how that joke works. There wasn't even a meanwhile in sight. Maybe it was hidden by all the snow? <sighs> they land hard, 
Katie takes the fall pretty well, but when she realizes that she has a bloody nose, she starts to yell at Mr. Wolverine, saying that she hates him and wishes they'd never met. She quickly changes her tune. Really, she is just angry and frustrated with the situation, like anyone would be. She apologizes and says that she will get him home. And it seems for the first time that Wolverine starts to recognize his friend Katie. It seems that through all the conflict so far, Wolverine has been healing from whatever Lady Deathstrike has done to him prior to the opening of the story. But something is still loose. He only seems to be able to talk in Japanese. Weird. You'd think that after his body finished control of deleting his brain, he'd revert back to speaking his native Canadian. My body is leaking like a kit jelly, eh? Need me some of that bacon and maple syrup and some socialized medicine. Whoa. Really? Yeah, you know what? I'm really not proud of that one. <laughs> anyway, while not completely healed, Wolverine starts to take a more active role in his survival. This is a pretty silly part, though. Logan is talking to himself in Japanese, saying that he knows this little girl, but not himself. Then he howls. Apparently, like everyone that writes for him, he has forgotten that Wolverines are not actually wolves. Katie takes pity off on this uh, strange and confused little man and yells, Costumes off! Removes her school choir vest and wraps up her friend making him the new base for PS87. Domo. Domo arigato. Mr. Roboto. My daddy had the same look in his eyes when he thought my mommy was going to die. It was like he lost everything that was important to him. With me, Katie girl, it's pretty much the same. Mr. Logan, you remember, you're yourself. Not yet, not by a long shot, but I'm getting there, thanks to you. And none too soon, because Lady Deathstrike and the Reavers are on their tail. Boom! Now that Wolvie's starting to get better, he recognizes the danger and pushes Katie and him to get cover. As they run, Lady Deathstrike waves off Reese from taking an easy shot. Real rookie move. She wants to take him down by herself. Never, ever lose such an easy opportunity. It's like she was uploaded with all the Bond villains' poor decisions. Lone Wolf and Cub make it to some shelter. Been waiting to say that for a while, haven't you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Again. Wolverines are not wolves. Meh, once they stop, Katie is ready to enact some bloodthirsty revenge on these villains, telling Wolvie that she will blast or disintegrate them. And Logan kills that plan quick. He informs the Energizer that this is not cool. She may want to help, but killing's not something she should be part of. And I don't really think it has anything to do with her being a girl or her age. I think it more has to do with her innocence. Yeah, right. Logan knows these are killers, and that the only way this will end is with blood. And he really wants to protect Katie's innocence. He is a killer, but he doesn't want to make her one. And he makes her promise to trust him. Well, like I always say, if you can't trust a half-naked man with a deep voice, questionable hair choices, and a scary look about him, who can you trust? You know, looking at you, and sitting next to you on this couch, and hearing you say things like that, really makes me question a lot of my choices. <laughs> We now switch over to Cole, who's questioning their boss's decisions in the most unflattering terms. Instead of complaining, he really should have been paying more attention to his surroundings. Sneaked. Because now he has a new six-pack in his abdomen, one composed of six holes. <laughs> Reese provides the status update to Lady D that the odds are shifting. He is ready to bug out. Your funeral, and probably mine as well. Sure enough, even as luck be a lady Deathstrike tonight is advising Reese to find Wolverine's kidnap victim and kidnapper, Logan finds Reese. Before Claws can meet circuits, the cyborg mercenary manages to get off a point-blank shot. Vodum. But just like Greedo in the special edition, that is not enough to stop our hero. Um, I don't get it. Yeah, uh, what are you talking about? Greedo? In Star Wars? He shot a hand first? Come on, you guys know the scene, right? I'm no, not familiar with that. Sorry, that, that, that never happened. 
But what does happen is Reese gets a stabby stabby blue plate special from the Wolverine Diner. And Lady Deathstrike gets what she wants. A final showdown. This issue's final showdown. Lady Deathstrike versus Wolverine. Lady Deathstrike versus Wolverine. And uh, yes, my lighter is up in the air, waving back and forth. Back and forth. So Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike face off in a hero versus villain climax. And in the process, they dissect the central issue of this conflict. Yeah, yeah. Nature versus nurture. Sort of. Paper versus plastic? Huh. Closer. Uh, while Wolverine was a recipient of the adamantium bonding technology, this comes down to the conflict between a killer with natural abilities and one with cybernetic abilities. Now, Lady Deathstrike does have some ridiculous clawed fingers, more than a match for Wolverine's claws. And she's fresher and less injured. As they fight, we find out why she is doing this. Yuriko is her father's daughter, and she has to honor his names and dreams. Logan reminds her that the man is dead and the dreams are mad. That should matter, right? Nope. She's bought into this traditional honor-slash-madness trope and is fighting because in her cray-cray mind, this is the only way out. After much slashing and blood and broken parts, Wolverine wins, as if there were any doubt. Lady Deathstrike lies in the snow, broken and bleeding, wires and components strew the battlefield. She tells Logan that she has been dishonored and will die without having won back honor for her father. But Wolverine leaves her somewhat alive, or at least as alive as her cybernetics will allow her to be. She claims that as long as she lives, her father's dishonor will require her to keep hunting him, and she asks Wolverine to kill her and set her free from this requirement. Instead, Wolverine sheaths his claws. Snacked. Earn it. Wolverine walks back through the snow. And we find Katie hiding behind a car with her hands over her eyes. I did what you asked, Mr. Wolverine. I didn't see or hear a thing. Wolverine tells her that there is a part of him that will always be wild, but that he's also a man, which means he has the ability to choose to do bad things, or more appropriately, choose not to do them. And Wolverine and Katie walk off into the sunset, or snow-covered evening, hand in hand, and Wolverine tells her that she will always have a friend in him. Next issue, back to Power Pack and some much lighter content. The Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. Woohoo! You know what time it is? It is Power Pack. Time. <laughs> Touche, Cecil. <laughs> I was going to say Power Pack time, but you were going to say Glob Gurman time. But <laughs> it's Glob Gurman time. <laughs> Glob Herman time, but yeah. All right. Let's talk about this cover. I mean, the, the big thing in this issue is the art that is like the central thing i think the art the wolverine legacy story that kind of comes out of this and you know lady deathstrike but really what sells this entire thing is this barry windsor smith art so if we look at the cover of this page we have i don't know something right out of body horror here uh we've got wolverine laying down on a bed of wires and he's got just wires and circuitry and tubes tubes just kind of coming into his body and it's he's bare chested and he's got his mask on he's got some briefs on and he's got his boots and you know his claws are up in the air he's got his arm up in the air and it's just this stark orange tinted issue with purple background and it is very very striking you notice the uh, skeleton over to the uh, left side of the uh, issue as well yeah yeah that's a good point the, like the they're transferring it over or something i don't know it is it is an amazing cover it really really is so we already talked about you know barry windsor smith's art for this um and, and of course he wrote the the weapon x uh storyline for wolverine as well 
a lot of the legacy that we know about Wolverine comes from kind of starting here, but really from that Weapon X Marvel Universe or Marvel Comics Presents one, which is a good point to bring up. But you can see the the art in this cover. Of course, it doesn't happen in the story, but all of those those they're not curvy lines. They're you know almost like right angles and tubes coming in and out and everything. I mean, to me, it expresses like violation. I guess is, is oh, something yeah, the word, yeah. you know, completely exposed and and integrated and and inescapable. I don't know. I, and I, I even though it didn't happen, it, it to me it extended into the story. It might have happened in the pre-story because uh, did they ever deal with like what Lady Deathstrike did to Wolverine, or was it just kind of no, a, a... no? It's basically she hunted him down, and, and her and her three mercenaries they were blowing him up, they okay. were they were Worked torturing him, enough, him. they yeah. were doing a bunch of things to him, and then he got away somehow. But I think that this is kind of a combination of of two or three things that is happening here. It's a type of telling of, because we don't know quite how Wolverine got the adamantium into his body. So it's kind of a, this may be what, how he got the adamantium into his body. That's one thing. The other thing is it's very reminiscent of the first scene in the book where we see Lady Deathstrike having this same thing done to her in the body shot. Right. And then a third layer that's on top of it is kind of like you guys were saying, how this kind of is what happened to Wolverine before the story starts. How did they really injure him so badly? What were they doing to him? Like maybe they caught him and then, like maybe they caught him and this was their way of trying to go, okay, we're going to get the secrets of Adamantian out of your body. That's it. So the the torture. And then it might just be like they're, and now they're going to transfer, like a test subject, transfer it over onto a skeleton next to him. It's it's hard to tell. It's just, it is an amazing cover that is, like always stands out in right. cover in co- comic covers and also is very much yeah like you were saying invasive un- unescapable and just it's just violent it is yeah. a, it is a soft franchise cover basically yeah. and it and it's something that really gives you it leads you into the book saying hey guess what we're going to start the book off and Wolverine's going to be in bad shape yeah. yep got it yep. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't get to Wolverine for quite a while yeah there's a chunk before that yeah let's talk about this artist some more though because Barry Windsor Smith He's given us some really special stuff with this issue. Coming, going back a little bit to talk about the uh, Weapon X thing. With Fabian Nassaz's writing uh, and his art, that really gave us the origin of Wolverine's adamantium skeleton and set up that often convoluted role in the, in the Weapon X program. But this art especially is totally signature Barry Windsor Smith. And it immediately drops the X-Men reader into you know, what the establishing story arc is. I really like the way that, yeah, you just said, you know, drops in the middle of this arc. I don't actually feel like I need to know anything else before. I, I just know that there's pain and confusion and, and, and then we're, dro- we're off and running. So I, I thought it was excellent. Somebody has voluntarily put themselves through this for revenge. And just some other key things about his art. It's very visceral because he always has the, the uh, mechanics and the circuitry the mixture of kind of body horror of it with the skin and, yeah. and the fluids. He also has just some amazing winter scenes where oh, I love that about where the comic. fact that I mean you've got winter weather that's going around and you're not getting the whiteout scenes or anything like that. You're just getting this blizzard haze that's always around the art and ah, there's just so much blood and visceral. You can see pain and movement on his characters and it's <clears throat> and it's very very beautiful. Yeah, everything about the art in here, it just it just feels grimy and That's hurt. That's a great observation. Like literally everything. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's and especially with the snow and everything, it's like you can just 
feel that cold water going down the back of your neck, but also like it's just like it's been splashed from like a taxi cab fender or something, so it's just filthy. It's just everything about this just leaves you a little bit kind of unsettled feeling, in my opinion. Especially when you take a look at Lady Deathstrike and how she's coming out of it. Um, you can you oh, can obviously yeah. see these wires don't make sense. The the like I said, the right angle tubing doesn't make sense. But you never doubt that. You never you never no. go oh that's just totally unbelievable. Move on. It, you just you're looking at it and you go you know that's actually skin and and circuitry and wires and mechanics all yeah. melded together. And again, I, I keep coming back to that can't feel good to, to be together like that. No. And uh, yeah, so and it's, already it's just I'm asymmetrical and just yeah. Yeah, asymmetrical and invasive and just, yeah, everything about it is uncomfortable. Like and, it, and it's something to be said, too, but, you know, the first few pages here, Lady Deathstrike is naked, except for these wires and, and everything else, but she is just walking around naked. There is nothing sexualized about oh. the character at all. <laughs> no. no, but there's also a difference, right, between her and the other yeah. uh, uh, products of the body shop? Yeah. Almost oh, like, yeah. A, like a cyborg... Point two or something. Yeah, well, yeah. I think on uh, I think I was reading about it, and uh, the Reavers were actually uh, created by uh, Donald Pierce. Yeah, I and so, th so I think they so probably different got technology. Some, I think they got some upgrades here at the shop. They, have, I think they eventually do. I don't yeah. know if they have now because I think they do later when they start getting like tank treads and everything. Yeah. Entirely. Oh, those are different guys, but oh, these, okay. yeah, but these ones here, they they did come here to get some upgrades a little bit from what Pierce did. Okay. So let's let's move on a little bit here and talk about you know this fantastic little relationship here. Because we do have a story of Lone Wolf and Cub, as I joked about. <laughs> but the, the the relationship between Wolverine and Katie, and kind of how this really echoes a lot of how Wolverine mentors young women. Yeah, for like the past, what, 60 years of comic books, he's almost always doing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. He has, there's a very long list of characters that he's done this with. Uh, he started off with Kitty Pride, and then uh, after Kitty Pride, it was Jubilee. And then I believe... Oh, I believe. Armor came before or after Laura Keeney. Uh, oh, before, yeah. Uh, um, X-23. Yeah. X-23. Yeah, but I think I mean, it was before. But, I mean, he's he has, he continuously is one of those people who he mentors and helps them lead. And it's really not in a dirty or creepy kind of way either. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna pause you on that one, Rick, a second, if you don't. Um, so, so uh, you know, one of our favorite podcasts here, you know, Jay and Miles explain the X-Men. Uh, yeah. They went in, I, and I believe, in an interview with Claremont, I believe. I could be wrong on that one. Anyway, but uh, then they explored this relationship between Kitty Pride and Wolverine. And during Kitty Pride's introduction, mm. her the intent was for Kitty Pride to be his love interest. Seems, you know, disgusting, a little bit uh, revol uh, revolting, especially considering that, like at the time, I think that he's 108 years old. Um, and, <laughs> about and she's you know fourteen, um, but yeah. uh, that that's just one particular example. But she, but overall, you're right. It it almost is never introduced as something dirty or creepy. Um, no, does a pretty good job. I, I mean, from my perspective. But again, you know, I love the character and I love the comics, so um, willing to forgive a lot of stuff. The first introduction of Wolverine to Power Pack uh, was the X Men one ninety five, mm. where. Wolverine was putting Kitty in charge of that mission. So yeah. he was, you know, Katie's already kind of seen this too. Wolverine's got this, you know, you know, relationship with these young women. And I do like the fact that we've got probably one of the youngest superheroes here yeah. having this conversation with Wolverine. And I'm going to get back to that a bit when we get to the library card too, because there's some real interesting parallels with the wounded wolf thing. But then also talking about kind of the mentoring thing, I would honestly say that Wolverine doesn't mentor uh, Katie. I just see it more no. along the lines where uh, 
they're friends. They're and friends. That's they're really friends. what it boils well, down to. They're friends. But I mean, it's you're you're correct. You're correct here. But I mean, they're they're it it's something that could occur easily, mm-hmm. and I could see it happening. It could be one of those what if storylines that goes down the down the wayside, and it would not be too much of a stretch of the imagination. I don't oh, think yeah. I don't think Katie really necessarily needs mentoring from Wolverine. No, she's got. Alex. Her own family. Well, she's got her own family structure. She's got Alex. She's got Julie. She's got she's got Jack. Yeah. So she's got her own family structure. The characters who Wolverine mostly gets involved with, they're the ones that even though they're part of a team, they still are the individuals well, in mm-hmm. the team. You know. Yeah. Kitty Pride was the youngest. She was definitely the youngest. X-Men. Yeah, and she was sent off to the school. Yeah. Okay, I'm with you. You know, Laura Kinney's got her own issues. So it, there's a lot of that that goes into play there as well. If there was a what if story where something happened to the rest of Power Pack, I could see there'd be some fascinating comics with yeah. Wolverine, Katie, you know, especially with how destructive her powers oh, are. T- she's more destructive than Wolverine is. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted to talk about. of Of the Power Pack children, I'm accepting Franklin, I suppose. Um, she's about the only one with a genuinely offensive power. Yes. Yeah. yeah the others kind of uh, make weight around it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, in this regard anyway, they are similar, right? You can decide to destroy or you can decide to help or create or, uh, well, yeah, be a good person or not, right? Yeah, and I think I think that's a big theme of this book, too, is just the idea of you're in a bad situation. You're in a horrible situation where you're being attacked. Now, thinking about somebody who's a little bit older that's, that's really in this kind of situation or thinking about what our daughters would do in the situation as young as they are you know we would tell them cause injury to the person that's chasing you and run away don't go offensive against them do it more of a defensive posture whereas you know when you'd get more to your son's age you know maybe part of that defensive posture is or the offensive posture is causing a lot of damage <laughs> to them but i mean that's it's it's an interesting juxtaposition and, and double standard but fair enough okay no I, I, i'm not i'm not doing i am really oh, it's not an age thing it's an point. age thing it's it's completely an age okay. thing okay uh, because i i know where i know where my daughter's strengths and weaknesses are yeah I, I want her to run far far away because she just does not have the power size or anything else that can, she can use to really stop somebody and it has nothing to do with the fact that she's a female. I don't know. I'm thinking Carrie can hold her own against three Reavers, I think, in a cybernetic, <laughs> you know, razor-sharp hand killer. Um, only if only I, if a magic pony has given her powers of destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the Reavers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move down a little bit here. Okay. Let's talk about these yep. Reavers a little bit since you brought them up. So the first members of the Reavers were originally members of the Hellfire Knights, the club's private military force. They originally came into being when the mutant, Mastermind, attempted to mentally control Jean Grey in a bid to join the Hellfire's Club inner circle. Yeah, can you describe, though? I mean, it, people ought to go back and look at that uh, issue if they can. The, these guys, they're absolutely the same as every other Hellfire Club uh, guard. And, and they, they're even wearing masks, for crying out loud. Right, except that they were given they were given names. So, I mean, all of this comes up with this this lovely scene where you've got Wolverine trying to enter the, the, uh, the secret club alive through the secret sub-base entrance and he's attacked by these three guys and he injures them badly with the claws yeah. and this is kind of this is early on in the x-men run this is still kind of in the 70s where the comic book companies were still nominally going with the comic book code <laughs> so you know <laughs> it yeah. was understood that these guys were dead or you know fatally injured they pulled these characters back and have them in here, and not only here, but also in future uh, issues, like especially when the X-Men go down to Australia. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah, the Siege Yeah, that's Perilous. when they come back, yeah. 
These guys in Lady Deathstrike, they really are used very well in this setting of going through the body shop, having these kind of modifications made to them, and being kind of, here's regular guys, here's regular people that have chosen to, in the attempt to stay alive, and attempt to have something to feel their hatred for. Revenge! Revenge. <laughs> Can you just... You know, take a moment here and think. Those Reavers in this issue and in even in the Australia storyline for the X-Men could have been anybody. You didn't have to give them a backstory. No. Um, and <laughs> so what kind of a person has written 200 issues of X-Men, just X-Men for that matter, and, and all the other books he wrote, and goes back to, <laughs> to issue 133 and remembers three dudes he offed in like six panels, left for dead... And comes back. And I think you actually said that because when um, in J. Miles explaining the X Men, they've talked a lot about this. Chris Claremont was a master at dropping these little threads throughout his storyline, and then coming back around and picking them up to also to bring back Power Pack into this. Some of this during some of this time, one of his editors was Louise Simonson, and so she That's was true. kind of you know she knew about this stuff. She had her own book, Power Pack, going on. I would like to know. The conversation that went around saying, hey, I'm going to do this story. I need to have somebody in here. I'd like to use Katie Power. <laughs> give, me Power give, give me the baby. Give me the baby. Yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a fantastic storyline. I would love to ask her about that or Chris Claremont just to see yeah. how this this came about, how they used this character. Because, you know, bringing in Reese and Macon and Cole and like, okay, we need to have, you know, the child to save Wolverine, who we're going to use. What scares you guys the most about this book and about these characters? Uh, Lady Deathstrike's forearms anytime she claws out. Because <laughs> they just look wrong. Yeah. and just It's like they go from being arms into kind of just like a splayed out pipe thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I would, All of that is, you know, it's like traditionally scary. So. The part that I kept coming back to was was when you know Macon and Reese, well, when the Reavers are talking to each other. I got to thinking, how are they talking to each other? They probably don't have a walkie-talkie or, or anything like that up to their mouths. And I got to thinking, they're probably just communicating with the radios inside their brains, yep. you know, with the server and the modem located next to their kidney and the <laughs> yeah, you know, on the hard drive and their left thigh. And I'm, I just, I, I got to just thinking. It just re this repeated image and theme throughout the entire uh, issue of. Uh, these machines are inside you. Now you're connected to everybody else that I've created. Um, nothing's private. Nothing is your own. You're functionally a, a gear inside a larger machine. Mm -hmm. and I, it, was, it was just, uh, it just hit me like that. And it's probably not even intended in the, in the comic, but man, I, I, that's what I was feeling. Yeah, there is, there is just the cybernetic feeling, the Borg feeling of, of what they are and what they've become. Yeah. It's creepy stuff. My daughter had real problems going through this book. I was, I, I was, I was yeah. having, I was having real. I, I didn't know if I was going to have my daughter read this book or not, but I had to read it. We had a good conversation about it afterwards. But All right, that's an after-school special waiting to happen. All right. Yeah. yeah. She did. She didn't hold back. She said that this this book scared her. And then you know what? When I read this when I was a kid, it scared me too. Mm -hmm. No, there were parts of this book that stood. Yeah, stood in my mind for whatever thirty years or something. Yeah, where you know, it's like I didn't remember it entirely, but there was little, there were images of it where I'm like, I completely remember that, like it was yesterday. So yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and move us forward to the library card because I actually have one here, and this is this is kind of interesting. But 
I looked at the title of this book, which is called Wounded Wolf. And there is a short story called Wounded Wolf by Gene Craighead George. Now, the summary of it is Rocco, who is a wolf, an actual wolf, has become injured during a hunt. And it's also during the season of starvation. Rocco has to struggle to survive. And at the end of it, he is later rescued by the pack leader, Kiglo. The entire setup of the short story is about how Roku has to fight off other animals who know that he is injured and how he tries to survive and make it on his own and how his pack leader comes to help him out but doesn't come to help him out to you know attack the other animals that are attacking him but she comes to help him out to get him to a place where he can heal and he can become stronger and he can protect himself so the pack leader is not coming in and actually saving the person but coming in and supporting the person. I kind of was looking at this and just seeing the really amazing comparisons that exist within what the story is and what the book is here. Because even though Katie is not really the pack leader, she comes in and her role is not to save or to battle. In fact, Wolverine makes that perfectly clear, but to just keep him moving and keep him sheltered enough that he can then become strong enough to protect himself. Because at the end, he's not even protecting Katie. Yes, you know, one of the mercenaries is sent after to find Katie. Yeah, for, all, but for a hot second. For a hot second, but that doesn't even happen. And it's and shouldn't be part of the story because, you know, Katie could probably protect herself in that circumstance. Mm -hmm. I am I have no doubt in my mind that Katie could actually take down one of the mercenaries. Mm -hmm. One of them. Yeah. Two or three of them probably gets all dicey. And that's not even what the story is about. The story is about that she is just protecting or, or helping him become better as she goes through. So I just found it being very interesting about how a lot of the characters and a lot of the uh, images within the short story are easily translated to this book. I mean, you've got the ravens and the white hawks and the white fox and the owl that are hungry and are trying to, you know, track down this wounded animal that could easily be the three mercenaries that are coming mm -hmm. in, you know, circling yeah. around beside mm -hmm. him. And just how all of it builds around this one thing of, oh, he's finally able to protect himself and how he can fight out of this bad situation he's in and get back to his pack, which is Wolverine getting out of this bad situation and getting back to the X-Men. Or getting back to his humanity? Yes, there is that too. That's another, that is another telling on that too. I was really, really hoping that you might find something in the library card about uh, something like dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight. Something <laughs> about selling your soul for, you know, success or something, a Faustian bargain or something. But I, I looked, I couldn't find anything. It was just a neat line. I did look that up a bit and I did fall down some rabbit holes with that. But I like this, the fact that there is a book called Wounded Wolf. And that's another question that, you know, the next time on a conference call with Chris Claremont. <laughs> um, <laughs> the next any day time. Now, right. any day Stop now. showing yeah. off. All right. That's fine. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, in, there is a Comic-Con coming up in uh, Central Washington this summer. Some group of other local area podcasters, they want to kind of get together and go up there and go oh, do yeah? this. So I'm like, yeah. oh, who's going to be there? Chris Claremont? Yes, I'd like to go there. <laughs> Kind of need to go stand in on his panel and then hog a microphone. <laughs> Pretty much. I got some questions for you. I have some questions for you, Miss Claremont. Like, first of all, when you're writing a book, how do you determine what science you're going to include in that book? 
Oh, wait, never mind. I got somebody that can tell me that. <laughs> you clever little segue. <laughs> that is the segue I wrote in on to Science wait, Corner. It, it was like listed right there on Google Maps, too. We all saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> I started to get a feeling for it by looking at the script and seeing that my job's next. <laughs> Okay, so in this issue, we have Reavers and Lady Deathstrike, all of whom are cyborgs. Well, what exactly is a cyborg, and do they exist? Let's discuss that. A cyborg, short for cybernetic organism, is a being with both organic and biomechatronic body parts. The term was coined in 1960 by Manfred Kleins and Nathan S. Klein. The term cyborg applies to an organism that has restored function or enhanced abilities due to the integration of some artificial component or technology that relies on some sort of feedback. Part of the diverse use of the word cyborg revolves around how humans see their interactions with technology. According to some definitions of the term, the physical attachments humanity has with even the most basic technologies have already made them cyborgs. A person could be considered a cyborg when they are outfitted with implants such as artificial heart valves, cochlear implants, or insulin pumps. A person could even be called a cyborg when they are using specific wearable technologies like Google Glass or even using a laptop or mobile devices to do work. So technically, yes, cyborgs exist and walk amongst us, but we don't notice them because they are us and we're boring. So <laughs> the, cl the classic term for a cyborg is, you know, you're, you got your robot arm and you got a, a targeting scope on your eye and we're not really there. They have been doing some work in real life with hey, like artificial limbs and... Uh, wait, I saw a documentary that was made back in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, it was about this guy who uh, was in an airplane crash and the military came and they, they did a lot of rebuilding on mm. him. And Oh, yeah, that was like a multiple uh, season yeah, uh, documentary. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a hefty price tag, too, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, let's see, it was a man and they spent millions of dollars on him. It's almost six uh, of them, I think, yeah. 60? It was yeah I think oh I think we I think it was I think it was done by 60 minutes and it was called yes uh, yes yes yeah, yeah. the millions of dollars man <laughs> and then he became a professional wrestler named Stone Cold Steve Austin that's the name <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so there is actual cybernetics that are being used in real life but they're really primitive compared to all the sci-fi stuff that you see there's some work in limb replacements where you get you know that be better prosthetics right uh still not there there have been some like kind of eye implants to sort of restore vision but they're really low-grade cameras that basically kind of just do photo cell stuff where it's just like oh this is light and this is dark and mm -hmm. like a uh, guy that was uh legally blind i think from birth had that and he was able to like drive a car around in a parking lot so yeah there's cybernetics but it's nowhere near like the uh the sci-fi realm of things well, one day we will have those cybernetics and we will become more powerful. But for the moment, the only power that we have is in our thoughts. Yep. And that brings us to our power thoughts. I love segueing. It's fun. <laughs> Let's talk about Refrigerator Gallery. Let's mm -hmm. talk about what piece of artwork in this book that's got beautiful art that we want to have on our cybernetic refrigerator. A cybernetic refrigerator? Yep. Hey, don't don't <laughs> knock my segues. <laughs> <laughs> What would you like to put on your refrigerator that you bought at the body shop? <laughs> Worst refrigerator <laughs> ever. Horror post-it notes. Just, I've just got images of a human-based refrigerator <laughs> that opens up and I'm kind of crazy, like Wi-Fi enabled. This is a dark, dark future I brought us down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, I, I guess I'll, I'll start with my backup. As Lady Deathstrike is being created, um, there's a long side panel on the left-hand side on page four, I think, at least on my digital version. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so page three on the regular comic. Yeah. 
Yeah, the way she's reaching up, it looks like, picture looks like it's in motion to me. There's no movement lines or like traditional thoughts like that, but I, I, I start at the bottom and I work my way up to, you know, to the tips of her razor sharp fingers. And I just, it seems like she's like reaching and then growing and then the fingers grow out of it. And, and then it breaks into the other panels as if that's, I don't know, the, supposed to be the most important or significantly impacting point of that, that artwork. And I, I, I love it. it. I think it's great. They actually do that uh, several times in this issue with her where she's just bleeding over into other uh, panels. And and in this one, it's not only the other panels. It's off screen. It's, yeah. off, it's off the page. Yeah. 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 And, and that's how impressive it is. A fantastic choice. That is a great one. Jeff, what do you got? Well, uh, as always, I have a joke one and it is on page 14. And I call it, they all skunked down here. And it is in the bottom center, and it is, uh, mm. yeah, it's a uh, Cole. He's like walking over like some sort of grating or some sort of weird fencing, and he gets stuck <laughs> by Wolverine who pops up uh, through it. So I saw that as kind of like a uh, you know an it you know an it thing, the thing in the sewers that goes that gets the guy. <laughs> fair enough, yeah. fair enough. I I like it. I have one comedy one as well. Okay, and I'm gonna bring it back on page 8. I think that's gonna be page 9 on your yep. guys's. Yeah, digital copies are always okay. one page ahead. And this is the top oh. right hand corner and it's where oh, yeah. Wolverine has grabbed Katie and she's shooting out a uh, powerball into the sky. It's not your normal powerball because it nope. kind of hits something and it explodes out into possibly the most colorful thing we've seen in this entire comic. Yeah, it's impressive. So I'm saying oh my god, I'm being attacked by Dazzler. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, you know, so we can't say enough about the artwork, you know, but when I looked at this panel the first time, I just bought into the whole thing. And so when she let off this Powerball, I, you know, assumed that she burst in, you know, basically like white light or you know, natural light of some kind. And I saw that this was the light reflected through the snowflakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like that just makes sense because she doesn't fire, you know, fireworks so much, not like Jubilee. Right. But so that that's what I saw. I thought it was a wonderful panel as well. Yeah. yeah. I saw it as artistic interpretation. Yeah. Did you happen to pick any comedy ones at all? No, uh, I take my comic books very, very seriously, Rick. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I didn't really see all that much comedy in this, except uh, obviously when the, you know, the Reavers get, you know, taken down almost offhandly really in sort of like a Rambo first blood-esque type way. Let me uh, toss it back over to Jeff then and say what's your backup that you have? My backup is on page six and yep. I call it Christmas Scareler. Yeah, yeah, yep. I, I had this as my backup as well. The, the splash page of Wounded Wolf, oh, yeah. of Wolverine standing there in the snow in front of Katie as she's just even, it's though, a great you might know, even yeah. though you might know this person, this is not what you want to see coming out of a snowy blizzard. Yeah, the burly, bloody rage machine popping out of the blizzard just uh, yeah, look it, yeah, it's like, huh. Yeah, and Katie's there calling for Miss Randolph, yeah. seeing if she can find her and instead discovers old wounded wolf himself. So yeah. yeah. The no, splash, it, it's the, a great the splash page is amazing. Yeah, the splash page is fantastic. You see though that he doesn't have his claws popped, right? No, not yet. Not yet. No, well, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that usually when you reverse back to, you know, animal form, it's all, you know, claws and, and running hunched over and sniffing the yep. wind and things like that. And he's obviously in a panic. Uh, here, but yep. there's no claws popped. It's almost like he's just barely conscious. 
it's like as his body has or as his mind reset, he's gone with basic kindergarten principles. Don't run with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> or eighteen inch razor sharp knives. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh what is your what is your top choice, TJ? I, I guess I'm gonna cheat, but that's okay because I'm a guest, so sure. I'm on a digital page eighteen, so I think that makes it mm-hmm. seventeen. And it's the series of four panels. It's, it's basically all of them. But if I had to pick, it's the middle two. And what I mm-hmm. what I enjoyed about it was that Usually when you read comics, you have to take, well, obviously you're reading comics, so you're going to take things with a grain of salt and you're going to suspend belief in reality for a little while. Well, excuse me, in normal fights, you always, you know, see a person blasting this or jumping over there with no real explanations how they got from one pose to the next. I won't lie. I actually, when I read this, I actually stood up and I moved myself in Wolverine's positions and they make sense from like a, you know, martial arts, countering force, dodging sort of perspective. And so everything is real. I'm, I'm looking at this in like one frame every 12th of a second. I'm like, looks like a movie to me. I think it's awesome. It conveys motion, contact, force, balance. That's what I liked about that. No, that's a good choice, and that's yep. a good breakdown of those scenes, too. I like that. There was just a lot of really good art in this. Yeah. Uh, every, everything was pretty on parallel with each other. Yeah. It, everything looked great. Everything would be a good choice. What's your choice? My top choice is on page 10, and I call it Light Snow. It's in the upper right-hand corner. There it is. Yeah. Probably Cole and Lady Deathstrike walking through the blizzard, and it's kind of just, a you know, like knees up, and they're heavily obscured, and uh, like Cole or Reese's uh, light on his gun is going, so you just have the this big lens flare thing. I just thought that looked super cool. It's probably the the least distinct piece of artwork yeah. in this, yeah. but I like the choice of it because because you're right. It's showing what the problem is, and you can almost compare it with what's on the bottom yeah, of that bottom page. Yeah, bottom of the page where it's three of them. Where it's yeah. three of them, and th- it's that oh, same yeah. indistinct kind of thing. But yeah, yeah nice it's choice. Just, there's these scary things that are, they're coming for you. You can't quite tell what they are right That's now, right. But, mm-hmm. they're, but they're there, and you can yeah. see them. Yeah. I'm kind of glad that we got some different ones for our top choices. Mm-hmm. I went for the iconic oh, I yeah. went for the most iconic panel from this book I think there are two actually the, the splash page is one of them but the other one is on page 19 it's on 20 on your guys's but it's the bottom panel of Wolverine's bloody face oh yeah uh, no, that, that entire page is great because it's yes. just wordless fighting and it is uh, yeah when Wolverine has turned the corner and he's ripping the shreds on yeah. the lady yeah, I mean, you, you can, yeah. it's a close up of his face you can see just the animal nature and just the the dark blood on there yeah and it's I have seen this picture reprinted many many times and it yeah. is very iconic from this book now this is going to be interesting because we usually do rubber and glue moment here there is some insults (laughs) i don't know how not many though i don't know how childish they are but there is some insults so let's there's a handful let's dig through this let's let's stay with a gag do you have any that you want to throw in there as backups uh well let's start backwards here how about you jeff i have a backup one and it is on page 12 yep and it's katie yep yeah again there's only so many i think there's three things in here so Yeah. yeah we'll probably have the same ones but yeah it's katie yelling at wolverine this is after they've fallen into the construction zone and she's got a bloody nose and she's hmm. all I hate this I hate you Mr. Wolverine I wish we'd never met oh I've got one a little bit different and it's, and it's oh is it's it ins- the rotten girl yeah it's an yeah. insult to herself oh, which yeah. is which yeah. is her saying I didn't mean to say such a rotten thing I'm a rotten little girl so it's She's actually doing a childish insult to herself, but once again, I love this scene. Yeah. I love this interaction there where she's she's having a one-sided conversation through most of this book. Yeah, pretty much. And I like that even at her age, she's having pretty logical conversation oh, yeah. with herself about what's going on, what's happening, and even she's yeah. insulting herself here, but she's kind of calling herself out for yeah. what she's been yeah, doing. Yeah, well, she's realizing, she's like, she hates the situation, not yes. the person. Yeah. 
Yeah. She hates the game, not the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to put it in mar- modern modern parlance. Ah, I love it. Okay, uh, so that that was my backup was Katie was Katie calling herself a rotten little girl. Did you have anything there, TJ? Uh, I didn't have a backup. I just had the one really, and I, I decided to go old school classic uh, and cited on uh, page five, bottom center. Uh, it's uh, let's see, who is that anyway? I'm forgetting which reaver that is, but anyway. Um, Saying, uh, calling Wolverine a crazy mutie. Uh, it's Cole. It's Cole. It's Cole. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yep. And I thought it was, I thought it was interesting as, as I thought most of this book was, but in that mutie is usually the insult itself as like a slang derogatory term. Yeah. But when you say crazy mutie, you're implying that the mutie isn't crazy or at least isn't bad normally. And, or yeah, at least my head in my uh, amateur psychology degree here telling me that, that you identify at least as a different person, like a mutie and saying crazy is the insult. So if yeah. you're a reaver and you're mostly cybernetics, um, as we've learned from cowboy Jeff, um, and, yeah. and you're not quite human and you're not actually a mutant, at least not really. I don't know. It seems like he's sort of identifying with him and then saying, of our subset, you're the crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, what's your best one? My best one is on page 15, and it's Wolverine. And this is after... Oh, I it, missed it. Is it Macon or Reese? Uh, yeah, it's Reese. It's Reese. Yeah, it's uh, Wolverine's leaping at Reese, and uh, Reese plugs him one at point blank, blank, and he's all, nice try, Mutie. That was point blank. No way he could have survived. And Wolverine's all, guess again, chump. I just like, that. guess That's again, chump. You yeah. are amazing. That's just great. It's like you just got shot in the face at point blank and you all have a quip and some claws. He used to join the exclusive chump club now. Yeah. Like He's been called chump by Wolverine. Yeah, exactly. I've been called bub twice and chump once. <laughs> and I've been cut up multiple yeah. times. How many times did Wolverine stab you? Lots. <laughs> you can see them all sitting around the circle at the support group. Hi, my name is Reese. I was called yeah. chump by Wolverine and stabbed through the throat. Yeah, Wolverine cut off both my arms, my legs, and then stabbed me in the stomach. Hi, Hi Reese. <laughs> See, and on the page before, I've got Cole. He's talking about Lady Deathstrike, and he says, Stupid broad, should have let you ice him, Reese. You ask me, she's a psycho. You got a couple of good ones there. He's yeah. calling her a psycho and a broad. But I like the chump one. I think I think the chump one is the winner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's there there is some childish stuff in here, and I mean even uh you know it's like one that I had seen, which I was trying to decide if I wanted in or not was uh when Wolverine's kidnapped Katie is she's like I thought you were my friend. Yeah, and it's just like I saw that as very you know that's a kid thing to say. Yeah. I thought you were my friend. You know, it's yeah. like the I hate you. I wish yeah. I'd never never met you. You know, there there's a lot of childish things in there. So yeah. Normally we do stars in detention. Uh-huh. There is one child in this. Yeah. <laughs> Any way you look at it, I, I want to give Katie the win on this one because she was a fantastic child. Oh, she was. One. She was, yeah. So, I mean, there, we have an N.A. for worst child, but I think we can all agree Katie was a amazing child in this well, one. Well, now, hold on a second. As the X-Men aficionado here, I suppose, I'm, I'm, sure. uh, I'm going to say, so whenever a hero is involved in any one of these stories, right, called, you know, Franklin, Kofi, whomever, right, yeah. we include them as a member of Power Pack, right? They're, they're a part of Power Pack Proper. as a team, yeah, as a team member. Uh, Wolverine's part of many teams. <laughs> every team, Wolverine has fact, never yeah. been part of Power yeah. Pack. <laughs> yeah, every team. All right, I'll give you this one. And, yeah, and I, think, he I think he's one of the Spider-Man friends team, too. <laughs> it's like, if you got Spider in your name... He or was Wolverine. Fast, he was in Fantastic Four. I Seriously? Mean, <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Uh, what kind of brain was, trust was he bringing into it? Uh, it was him, Ghost Rider, the Hulk... <laughs> What Fantastic Four are, were you reading? Are you making That's stuff crazy. up? Really? Who else was? No, 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 no. This there was a Fantastic Four where <laughs> Sue Richards got 
that team together. <laughs> and Spider Man. It was Spider Man. It was Spider Man. I think I think the Hulk, but I know Ghost Rider. Spider Man, Ghost Rider, Wolverine. I think the Hulk. Uh, Sue Richards got them in there. It was like <laughs> buy our book. <laughs> this will increase sales. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness! I bought it. Yeah, there you go. All like, right. I really, I really like what Reed's done with himself becoming Wolverine. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, that would be Wolverine. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I do have a worst person, right, who gets attention. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's got to be Macon, oh. right? He dies off screen. No. You don't even see him. That's no. true. This is true, actually. I would say Macon. I would say Miss Randolph. Miss Randolph for like, losing actually, control of the one yeah. student yep, she nope, had to watch? Nope, nope. Oh, I don't. Think about you that. You had one job. Think about the phone call she's got to make to the Power parents. It's like, hi, uh, Jim Power? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh good. Uh, Maggie's still in a coma. Okay, that's nice. Your kids are okay, though? Uh, you actually got to spend Christmas with them. Oh, and she, your, your wife just narrowly avoided dying. That's really, really good. So, good news, bad news then, huh? Because uh, bad, bad news... Um, I can't find your daughter. Oh, well, it's a funny story. There's a blizzard and a man knocked us over that was shooting a gun. And then uh, a feral homeless guy, uh, I think he was holding knives, picked her up and ran away from the police. And apparently I have just lost my job. Yeah, so... Uh, to be, to be so fair, Merry though, Christmas. To be fair, though, the powers tend to get lost a lot. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's wrap some things up here before we run out of time. Yeah. Okay. We need to rank this bad boy. Uh, so top grades. Where do we think that this ranks on our list between Power Pack 19, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and Thor... 363 This Cursed Earth. With Thor, <laughs> This Cursed Earth, we said that... That's a little bit, uh, I guess, biased. Let's just rate it at the bottom of the list. No, 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 no. It's uh, because this is a, in regards to a power pack story. Right. And Thor, although we've, we've talked about this before, yeah. but where it's like, although it's an amazingly great story, it is very power pack light. Yeah, that's true. And this one we could say... this one It's we very could say, similar. It's very yeah. similar, but at the same time, Katie is... An extremely important oh, part yeah. of this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that she's more important to this storyline, even though she was the reason why the Thors won against... Uh, uh, in the Thor ones, who cares? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but she is much more important. I, I think that this is... I would definitely go that this is higher. I think that this is going to be very hard for us to yeah. rank it. I also like the fact that Wolverine actually seemed to care about her safety as opposed to <laughs> Thor. Yeah. Which was good. When Thor, Thor basically goes, Katie... You're my gun now, and you might die. <laughs> yeah. So shoot the bad guy. And she's all, uh, what? He's okay. like, just do it. Uh, in this one, Wolverine's all like, Katie, I need you to not help me. I need you to go hide and not listen to anything that's going to happen, okay? So, yeah. Let's let's start here. Let's rank this up against the other Uncanny X-Men one we have. Uncanny X-Men number 195 in issue number four. Or we have it in place number four. Would we say this is a better or worse Power Pack story than that one? Hmm... Ah, uh, that one had more power pack. It did have more power pack. Yeah. It was actually a lot of power pack, yeah. Yeah, yeah it had a lot more power pack in it. I would... So I, You'd say although, below that. Oh, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd say that this is below that just for the power pack, mm-hmm. power packing thing. Again, this is an awesome issue. It's got great stuff. And Katie, hey, yeah. everybody loves Katie. So if we go under that, we have the power pack underground, which is the one that goes before it was a dark and stormy night. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we want to say it's even below that. I mean, as far as a power pack uh, issue goes, I mean, it's, I would think it's probably pretty low because I don't think there's anything in here that actually mm-hmm. matters to the continuity of power pack. Um, there's some interesting uh, character, not really development, but illustration for Katie, which is good. Um, but 
other than that, I mean, it could have been almost anybody in as a power pack character. So, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I know I, I already said it, but it's, it wouldn't surprise me if it was down near the bottom. Okay. Yeah. So I guess we would, do you want to just put this one above the Thor issue then? Yeah, actually that would uh, work out. I'm trying to decide uh, in the, in the Dragon Man uh, milieu of things. I, def- I definitely would read this before Monsters. Okay. <laughs> uh, so we, we could we could put it up above the Dragon Man trilogy. I'm fine okay. with that. Okay. I, let's let's go ahead and put this um, as the new number eighteen in between Butterfinger and Monsters. Yeah. Yep. All right. I'm I'm happier with that. Okay. Again, I really like this one. Yeah. Again, it's an amazing story, but it is, it it's almost more a Lady Deathstrike yeah. story it than it is a yeah. Power Pack story, and so it kind of, you know in rank it's kind of Lady Deathstrike story, Wolverine story, Katie story kind of thing. So. Yep. Let's do our final thoughts on the beers. Mm-hmm. TJ, what did you think of your beer? Uh, I know I said I was going to get through three of these things, but I, I'm into my third one. Uh, it's doing pretty good. <laughs> um, would I buy it again? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I actually, uh, I say actually, you guys already know this. There's some outstanding beers out there in the Pacific Northwest. Um, yeah. And so it doesn't surprise me that this holds up. And so, uh, let's see, I think that I still like stouts more than this. I'll tell you that. So I'm probably in the, uh, the three and a half, close to four. Okay. Uh, where, where are you going to land on? Oh, um, all right. Twist my arm. I'm on four. All right, okay. four. That's a good showing for a rogue beer. Yep. Uh, Jeff, what do you think of our burial beer company, Separation of Light and Darkness? I love the name better than I love the beer. You finished uh, your beer. I finished my beer, <laughs> and every time I was taking a sip of it, I was making that, whoa, lemons kind of flavor <laughs> yeah. face. It's, it's, it's it very is. tart. Yeah, it is... Uh, I enjoyed it, but it's not something I would uh, pick up on my own. Hmm. So uh, I liked it. Uh, I'll go three and a half. Wow, that's. <laughs> I I actually enjoyed it, and I was thinking I'm going to go four. Okay. <laughs> um, I enjoyed this one. It's it's light. It's refreshing. I think this would be fantastic on a nice hot summer day. Maybe mm. I, I I like it for what it is, but I wouldn't want to really drink it again. Okay. Kind of thing. Fair so enough. It's where I'm kind of like rating it in the, yeah. I, I like what it is, but I don't like it. So. It's, it's better than some of the other ones we've had Oh, big time, yeah. So. Yes. Fact, yeah, some of the previous ones we've had, I'd like to go through and uh, re-rank re, re them lower. <laughs> <laughs> Up next is Kid's Perspective, where Rick asks his daughter Carrie what she thought about the book. Rick and Carrie, take it away. Hi, Daddy. Hello, Carrie. How are you today? Good. I kind of started you off. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to get the hang of this, aren't you? Uh-huh. We are talking about... X-Men. X-Men 205. I didn't know if I was going to have you read this book, but I went ahead and had and gave it to you. It's pretty dark, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not liking the cover much. <laughs> you don't like the cover much. It's kind of creepy a little bit, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about it. Why was it creepy to you? Why didn't you... Why did you have problems with it? It had dying... Yeah, there were people that were, that. it looked like they were dying, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and it had a lot of violence in it, didn't it? Tons. Tons. So talk to me about it. What what made you feel uncomfortable about that? It just made me uncomfortable because, because those two just equal very deep stuff. And <laughs> it just makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. How do you think Katie felt being involved in all that? Scared. I mostly had to do those voices very scared. A lot of the things she said, she was scared while she was saying it, right? Yeah. How would you act in those situations? If you had Katie's power, and if you found yourself in those situations, 
Would you do what Katie did, or would you run and hide? I would be scared. I would run and hide, but if there was no way out, then I would just stay put in a place that was safe. That's not a bad idea. It's one of the reasons why Katie's a hero is because she could, you know, she was helping Wolverine, right? Yeah. What were your thoughts about the people who were hunting Wolverine? What you... mm, I'm trying to think of a word for them. Can't say interesting. I'm done with that. And I can't say weird because they weren't weird. You, did Did you like them or not like them? I didn't like them. Okay, you didn't like them because they were evil. Yeah. It was interesting to see that they were different, right? Yeah. They weren't your normal bad guys. They were they were a little strange. What was strange about them? They were they had these wires on them. They were partly made of machine, right? Yeah. And, and then they, if you looked really close, you could see some body part of them. Yeah. That's kind of scary, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be chased by people like that. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> what about Wolverine? I mean, we've seen him before and he's he kind of scared Katie before, but also she recognized him as a friend, right? Yeah. So she trusts Wolverine, right? Yeah. He wasn't right at the time, was he? Why wasn't he okay? What was wrong with him? He kept, he had these blood things on him. Yeah, so that kind of meant that he was what? Hurt. Yes, he was hurt. He's got a power that he can heal really fast. So he must have been really hurt because it was taking his body a long time to heal. Still healing faster than you or I would heal. It was making him kind of an animal, right? Yeah. Katie was scared, right? Yeah. But even though she was scared, what did she do? She tried helping him. So she kind of fought through her her fear and tried to help him, right? Yeah. I tried to finish it. And kind of like Katie, I did end up kind of scared. But at the end, everything turned out okay, right? Uh-huh. She was still a little scared, a little but... scared, right. She helped Wolverine until he could help himself, right? Yeah. And then in the end, Katie probably went back to her house and saw her brothers and sisters yep. again. Yep. So it didn't have a lot of power pack. It just had Katie, right? Yeah. I That's still... what I had to tell Mommy. I was like, okay, Mommy, you don't have to be included in this much. <laughs> I, know the, I know the book scared you and, and some of the, the visuals scared you, but you, what did you think of the art? Did you like the art? Because it's a different style. I'm going to see what's by. So the art is by somebody named Barry Windsor Smith. And this is the style of art that he does. It's kind of different from what you've normally seen. Do you like it or not? Not a big fan of it. Is that because it scares you? Yeah, kind of. You can tell the difference between the different art styles though, right? Yeah. This is a little bit more real? Yeah. But Katie looks a little less real. Yeah, just because she's it's different than we normally see. Yeah. Her. Yeah. She actually looks kind of younger. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. She probably is a little bit closer to the her age of five years old than how we've seen other people draw her. Anything else you want to say about this book? Can we talk about the first part? Sure. Well, you... not this part. Okay. Um, you know when she's at her house. Or, or where she's well, yeah. where she's about to go singing, Carolyn. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, let's talk about it. What do you want to talk about? I never got to see the head of the person who she's talking to. Yeah, that's right. And I'm very upset. Why are you upset about that? I want to see that person's head. Okay, fair enough. Otherwise, um, I'm going to call her Miss No Noggin. Here's the interesting <laughs> thing about that. A couple of things. One, there's 
You know that we've seen uh, the Charlie Brown uh, movies? Yeah. And you know how they never show the adult's face in there either? Not really. Yeah, and, and they say they all, whenever you hear an adult, it's always wah, 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 wah. It's very yeah. close to that. The reason why they don't show the adult's face is because... They don't really matter. Exactly. Good job. They don't matter. They're, they're there for a purpose. But, you know, it's kind of like Katie's saying. She's only seeing this high. She's only really looking at things that, that matter to her. It's just a teacher or somebody there. Teacher. There, there's no reason really for them there for the story. They're just a set piece, if you will. But it's a good job on noticing that. That was a very good job that you noticed that. Anything else you want to say? Mm, not really. Well, thank you very much, Carrie. I always appreciate all of your time and the fact that you read this book, even though I know it did scare you. But thank you very much for helping me out. You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too. Bye. Jeff, guess what? What? Shout out time. <laughs> We would like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. For episode 22, Thor 363. On Twitter, Lady M's Dressmaker. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Craig McNichol, who agrees that Beyonder makes everything worse just by existing. Tim Price. Let's talk Julie Power. Technical Wrestling Rules Power Wrestler Suck. Warlock Thanos Podcast. Matthew Birdsey. Stabbing Contest. CH0. Who thinks this is one of the best Simonson Thor covers? Charles Gears. Jeremy Daw. Dizawaska. Alexander. Let's talk Power Pack. Coffee is a good mal. Henry James Wesley. Cannonball Ed. Who liked that we rickrolled him? Or is that Jeff Rickrolled? Huh? Huh? Which was genius. I didn't even think of that when he put that in. He was just <laughs> like, I've never been Jeff Rickrolled before. I'm like, that's. Oh! It's right there. <laughs> On Facebook, Gary Key. Keith Baker, who was sad that Thor 363 was the last time the kids would see the Beyonder. He's the only one. Eric Kilgore. Nicholas Prom. Jeff Pollier. Al Sedano. Michael Neertz. On our webpage. We want to acknowledge Mr. Time Priss for his continuing contribution for each episode. We can always count on him to leave us messages on our webpage. We really appreciate it and encourage others to join the conversation. Why did you say Tom Priss? I said Time Priss because that's how they say it on Oh Hot Moo or Not. <laughs> it's a bunch of Canadians that have problems pronouncing his name. Okay. And now Tim Price is like their favorite friend. And they always just are very happy whenever his name goes on. <laughs> I had no idea about that. Oh, yeah. It, it's kind of cool. I've been listening to the show. And it is hilarious. They love the guy. Okay. And he has sent them some Power Pack issues so that... They can read up on hey, Power Pack. Hey, that's cool. No, nah, Tim is awesome. He is super great. In fact, uh, uh, I will be honest. I'll be like, oh, I got I to gotta write script. But I should probably check the webpage to see if Tim's written. See, be and, then, <laughs> and if he does, I'm like, oh, Tim's written. What should I respond back with? And then, like in our last one, me and uh, Tim were going back and forth a little bit, yelling Thor at one another, basically. <laughs> and Rick jumps in with, Jeff, get back to work. Thor! <laughs> so if you want to be like, Tim Price, <laughs> yeah. go to our webpage and play along. Yeah, yell Thor at us. <laughs> or say other words. They're all great. You could also be like our Patreon supporters, who we want to give special thank yous to because they help us out and we want to highlight their contributions. Rustin, thank you. Rolling and rusting, righteous and reckless Rustin. Recap podcast, thank you. Rinse, return, repeat, and recap. And...
Revenge. And we want to have a giant, and I mean supersized, giant thank you to our fan, Rustin, who drew us our first piece of fan art. Wow, wow, wow. It's perfect. We will include it on our website, our Twitter account, everywhere. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much, Rustin. Yeah, thank you so much. I think it's our profile pic currently on our Facebook page. Quite a lot of places right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's basically, we got it and said, swoon, and then everywhere. put it everywhere. Yeah, it was, that, that is really great. I really love it. I love my superhero symbol of the musical note. I think that's pretty great. <laughs> And it's nice because apparently I've uh, I've been exercising. I lost a little bit of weight. I was very happy about that. We both have lost a lot of weight. <laughs> I lost, yes. I lost some beard too, but that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> another shout out for another and arguably better take on this issue from actual X-Men experts. Check out the Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men podcast, episode 55. Jeff and Rick Presents is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon and Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher or, you know, wherever you can give us a good word. Tell your friends about us. Stick your earbuds in their ear and say, listen to this show. We'd really like that. Yell it at strangers on a bus. Throw it at strangers on a bus. (laughs) (laughs) And as always, we want to thank the wonderful people in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. My wife, Brandy, who repeatedly tells me that if she knew about my comic obsession when we met, then we would never would have gotten married. We love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Master of the Feast. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Hey, Rick. Do you remember that time we drank that Pepsi that had been sitting out in the sun for like two weeks and decided to watch Pink Floyd's The Wall at 2 a.m.? No, no, no one remembers that. That's what the court documents said. That's what they said when we signed him. And it was Dr. Pepper anyway. But we don't remember this. We don't talk about it. Nothing. I came serious. TJ came with fear. And Jeff came with punching children. Jeff came with (laughs) accidental child abuse. But she's fine. And the doctor even looked at her and said she's fine and i'm like okay but i still feel bad <laughs> so. So i've got my nomination for the gold star at the end <laughs> yeah. we now know who the worst child is <laughs> who's the best kid his daughter she can really take a punch <laughs> so welcome Jeff. to the show tj <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> hope you survived the experience <laughs> <laughs> don't mess up or you're gonna yeah, fall down might, some stairs. Yeah, you might fall down some stairs. Don't Once worry. Again, I'm using to... those audio version of air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You missed it. You missed it you on our end. Did it, I yeah. did the air quotes. <laughs> Insert the claws. The claws. The claws. The clamps. The clam. It seems that though all. Seems that through all. Oh, letters make words, and those words have meaning. <laughs> And Jeff is hooked on phonics. Yeah. It seems that... (laughs) Sorry. And cocaine. (laughs) Yo, this is an interstate call. That's actually a federal law. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. I meant... uh,
uh, uh, what did we call it? The, the uh, My Little Pony Dream Dust or something? <laughs> Sweat <laughs> powder? It's My Little Pony Dream Dust. Yeah. <laughs> Domo. Domo arigato. Mr. Roboto. Insert, my daddy had the same... I'm sorry, I could not resist that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I know. It seems like a softball setup. You need to say it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the festo, Mr. Dokete. <laughs> domo, domo. Domo, domo. As they run, Lady Deathstrike waves off Reese... I'm going to start all over. As they run, Lady Deathstrike waves off... Why can't it strike waves? It's still morning. <laughs> As they run, Lady Death... <laughs> I'm drinking. Eh, it's yeah. after, oh, <laughs> it's not, not even noon yet. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. One composed of six holes. <laughs> Reese provides the status. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You need to keep that in. <laughs> <laughs> Four. That was pretty excellent. It's final <laughs> showdown. You have four and a half minutes of me doing this, and then I'm going to faff about on stage. <laughs> Lady Deathstrike versus Wolverine. Da, 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 da. I'm over. We're doing the first like na- national like air guitar solo over here across the phone lines. <laughs> People in the booth are laughing at me. The Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. Try that again. So the Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt. What's wrong with you? The Goo Great Gam Go. Do again. Treasure Gogam. Do again. Gum in my pants, jam in my shorts. I am pulling your beard. Next issue. Back to power. <laughs> you know that you just parody baited Jeff, right? Kitty's friends, Wolverine. Kitty's friends, Wolverine. You fought Reavers well. I fought him too. Lady Deathstrike is coming for me and you. Go close your eyes and I'll see it through. Cause Katie's friends, Wolverine. Katie's friends, Wolverine. I won't say that that was clunky and horrible, but I really don't know how to finish the sentence. My top choice is on page 15. My top choice is on page 10. <laughs> okay. That's okay. I said. I didn't change my mind. You did. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, Katie. Katie. Yes, my name is Katie. Let me try that again. (laughs) Jeff, guess what? What? Shout out time. (laughs) That was a spitty shout out time. Sorry. That's okay. We want to recognize those listeners who don't spit on our faces and take this. (laughs) 